0: Happy to be here with you guys today. I'm gonna We're going to receive communion for the next few weeks because I'm going to be talking about the blood of Jesus. That's why I wanted to sing those songs because it seems like the songs about redemption, they mean the most to us. The songs that remind us what Jesus did for us, they become closest to our heart like Amazing Grace and Power in the Blood. <laughs> All those songs, they really get deep inside of us because they, they speak to us about this relationship that means the most to us. Now, I want <clears throat> to just begin t- uh, today talking about the seven times that Jesus shed blood. I periodically like to talk about this because I'll tell you why in a moment. It's so important that we understand that every drop of the blood of Jesus was precious and important, and it speaks to us. The Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks to us of better things than the blood of righteous Abel. In other words, the blood of Jesus has a voice in it. So when you receive communion, you're receiving a voice. You know, that voice that says keep going, don't quit. That voice that says you can make it. That voice that says you are forgiven. That voice that says it's all going to work out. All that voice comes into you as a gift. It doesn't come out of your own head. It's something that you received. And so it's important for us to study those times that Jesus shed blood because they speak to us. They show us it's like a diamond. It's one diamond, but it has lots of facets on it. It's still a a beautiful diamond, but every one of those facets, our faces of it, uh, you know, shine a little differently and show us a different light. So it's very important. Tell someone next to you, I'm becoming an expert in the blood of Jesus. Now the first time Jesus shed blood, we're going to call it the blood of faithfulness. And I'm going to read the scripture. We're going to pray. Revelations 12, verse 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who has accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Somebody say amen. Amen. And they overcame him. Say it with me. And they overcame him. Preach it with me. Say, and they overcame him. They overcame him him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even unto death. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word become a living revelation to us. Let it mark us the way that we think and feel, the way that we live, the way that we conquer in life. Thank you in Jesus' name and everybody said. It says they. So it says that this dragon, speaking of the devil, in the last days is cast down and the accuser of the brethren that accused the church day and night before God is cast down. And the Bible indicates that it happened not as if God cast the devil down. It says, and they. Who was that? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives even unto death. So in other words, God is going to give you the weapon for you to cast down the enemy. So you have to do. Well, you know we, I love that song about God defending us. And the way he defends us is he gives us the blood of Jesus. But it's important that we understand that. Now, one of the things that I look at and I see this, I, I see that the church of Jesus in the last days, uh clearly live in a powerful and practical revelation of the power of the blood of Jesus right it, it's it, you can it, one thing that you know about the church in the last days is they knew not only about the blood of Jesus but they are familiar enough with the concept and with the revelation to apply it. A lot of us know a lot of things, but we're not comfortable enough to even pray for a sick person because we don't really know. You know, we know that scripture, by his stripes you're healed, but we don't feel like we can kind of like operate in that, right? We get call someone else to pray. And so this church in the last days have, has some kind of expertise, not about a lot of things, but they do know about the blood of Jesus. And they use this revelation, the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, what it's done for them, and that they were fearless Basically, they had one revelation and they were strong with their life to declare that revelation. The Bible says that the enemy is defeated in that way. So it's important for us, of all the things that, you know, the, you know, America has more Christian books, you know. There are just books everywhere. Put it on Kindle. You can read all day about anything. Great, wonderful subjects. But it's important to be good at the most important things. Don't become an expert in something that doesn't matter. Come on, somebody like video games, don't get to the 14th level of something and you still don't know about the blood of Jesus. <laughs> don't be an expert on Marvel Comics, for example, and you still don't know how to apply the blood of Jesus over you and your family, right, or anything else, cars, football, hunting, don't become an expert at anything, but you still don't or not an expert at the most important thing, which is the thing that has the power to transform everything in your life. Everything that came from God to you came because of the blood of Jesus. And the more you understand the blood of Jesus, it's like purchasing power in the spiritual realm. Jesus bought us with his blood. It's currency. The more revelation you have about the blood, the more that you're able to purchase what you need or apply that toward a purchase. Thank God you don't have to use your own righteousness to buy something good. How, you don't, they don't have to say, look, I've been so good, you need to bless my kids. I've been so good, you need to bless my my grandkids. No. The blood of Jesus, thank God he's so good, and I understand what he did. All his goodness applies to my life. So I can ask, I can begin to bring things from the spiritual realm into my life, not by virtue of my greatness or perfect, you know, track record, but I can bring them because of what Jesus purchased. But you have to uh, enter into that at a level where you feel like, uh, look, I know this. You know, I heard the gospel a thousand times, and one day I heard it. I said, one day it changed my life, but I heard it my whole life. My dad's a preacher. I heard it every Sunday of my life, and then one day I heard it. I was in a bedroom, 1978, and I heard that void, 1977, excuse me. No, 78. Yeah. Sometime like that. I got married in 77, 78. But I heard. I heard it for the first time for myself. You get what I'm saying? You can know about something and not know it. But until you can feel like you've got some authority, you've got some confidence, you've got some assurance, you've got some faith, you don't really know it yet. You're just getting around it. So it's important, at least one time a year I like to talk about it or focus on it because this is like your purchasing power in the spirit. Your currency in the spirit is the revelation you have on the blood of Jesus. Are you okay? So it's relevant. To understand that Jesus was crucified on Passover. Now I want you to get that in your mind. Jesus, say it with me. Say, Jesus was crucified on Passover. Now it's important because you have to connect what happened at Passover with the life of Jesus. It wasn't an accident that they crucified Jesus on Passover. It was prophesied that on the this holiday called Passover, Jesus would be that lamb that would be slain, his blood would be shed. So we need to understand there's a connection between the children of Israel being delivered from Egypt to the people of God being delivered out of the hand of the enemy into God's kingdom. Are you with me? So in in the Passover, of course, you know, Israel was 400 years under Pharaoh in slavery. Moses came and he, you know, dealt with uh, Pharaoh But then he wouldn't listen, and so he finally, he said, I'm I'm going to kill the firstborn of everything in Egypt. And God wanted to protect Israel from the curse of death, so God told them how they were going to protect their home and their life from, from death and from destruction. He said, this is how you're going to be protected. You're going to take a perfect lamb. You're going to kill that lamb. You're going to put the blood in the basin. Then you're going to take some hyssop. Now, this is instruction of how to get the blood of Jesus in your life. So you got to listen. He said, then you're going to take the blood from the basin. You're going to put it over the doorposts and the lentils of your house. I'm sure that's why the Catholics do the sign of the cross. Because that is a, a type of applying the blood of Jesus to the doorposts and lentils of your house. It's the cross, right? He said that you're going to apply it with hyssop. Hyssop, uh, to us, speaks to us of confession. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that then you shall, that to, to be righteous, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes to be right with God, but with the mouth confession is made to salvation. So we understand that for us, hyssop, like, it's like a paintbrush, That you can take the blood from the basin and apply it. It's also important for you to remember blood in the basin is not doing you any good. It doesn't matter what Jesus paid for till you apply it to your life. It doesn't matter what's yours and what was purchased for you if you don't know how to get that paintbrush and begin to put it on your house. Right? So it has to do with your ability to speak in faith. Applying it with hyssop. Hyssop even sounds like speaking, doesn't it? Hissop. It means to confess. So you got to learn how to get that blood, that all that Jesus paid for, and you got to get it on your house and over your family. How many want the blood of Jesus over your family? Come on, life. You really want to? Like rave like crazy, like yeah, 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 yeah. While on others, thou art calling. Do not pass me by. Uh, look. And so what happened? The Bible said that when the angel of death sees the blood, he will pass over you. That's why they call it Passover. Because you didn't deserve it, but by virtue of that lamb's blood, you were marked for salvation. You were marked for protection. How many want your house marked for protection from disease and poverty and conflict and divorce and all those things that are out there in the world that bring death? To be marked with that is to be marked is to apply the blood of Jesus. Are you okay? Passover becomes a picture of how the blood affects our lives in the spiritual world. Passover, when you read that story, how the angel came and couldn't touch that house. It makes me think of um, what's his name with the pants? Can't touch this. Hammer. hammer, can't touch this. Da, 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 Okay. <laughs> the idea is that the enemy wants to touch your life, but he can't touch your life because he sees blood on the door. It's not because of your righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Jesus over your house. He sees the righteousness of Jesus over your children. He sees the righteousness of Jesus over your finances, over your business. He said, I want to touch it, but I, what? da can not touch that. Some of you don't even know, young people are like, what? what is that? Is that an advertisement of some kind? Oh, you'd have to know those pants. (laughs) Oh, you don't know anything about the running man. (laughs) Passover is when the lamb's blood was shed, and they took the blood and applied it to the door. Now I want you to read it with me. Exodus 20, 12, 22 said, Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches, dip it into the blood, brush the hyssop across the top and the sides and the door frames of your houses that no one may go through the door until morning. So the, when the blood of Jesus is applied, the blood of Jesus brings supernatural protection. Come on, confess with me. Say, when I apply the blood of Jesus, it brings supernatural protection over my house and benefits over my house. Now listen, I I need you to see the two pictures, the Old Testament and the New Testament at one time. The Old Testament, the lamb's blood was applied over the door and they celebrated how God saved them as a nation because of that blood so they celebrated the Passover thinking it's something you apply over your house which is true in the New Testament Jesus said you've got to take this blood and drink it he said if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh you don't have eternal life but if you drink this now of course people were like I can't what eat what drink what they didn't understand it because Jesus said this is a spiritual revelation Because the blood of Jesus not only affects your life on the outside, but when Jesus came, he said, I'm gonna affect your life on the inside. I'm gonna get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem isn't your money, it isn't your stuff, it isn't your house. The root of the problem is inside of you. Jesus said, I'm not just gonna get to the outside of your life and protect the outside of your life, I'm gonna get inside, I'm gonna get in you. That's why we drink communion. Matter of fact, the Old Testament, they were. Prohibited to drink blood. You couldn't drink blood. Because they believed, and the Bible taught in Leviticus, that the life of something, the essence of something, the nature of something was in that blood. So if you, you know, had a big, you know, greasy, bloody steak, which I like at times. (laughs) But the idea was that that you're going to get the nature of a bull, so, you know, the Jews will still wash the blood off of something. That if you eat a, eat a bloody chicken, I don't eat bloody chicken, but if you ate a bloody chicken, you get a chicken nature. <laughs> or if you ate a pig, you know, pig's blood, they would say, well, you get a pig's nature inside of you. They believe because God told them, don't take the blood of something, and Jews still don't. But they said, don't drink the blood of something because the nature is in the blood. Jesus said, the life, excuse me, Leviticus says, the life of a thing is in its blood. So Jesus brought this revelation when he said, you have to drink my blood. He's saying, I need not only to protect you, I need to get my nature inside of you. That you're not going to change yourself with willpower because you go to a certain church. You're going to change because you received something. Something got in you. Something touched you. Something changed you. Something transformed you. And you didn't do it for yourself. God did it. You just received it. So you need to understand that the blood of Jesus uh, in a full revelation, it not only applies to your external life, your children, your home, your, your business, all that, but it applies to your internal life. This is the fullness of the revelation of the Bible, that there's two great things that you must apply it over your home and your friends, and you must receive it into your into your body, into your actual body. You must receive the blood of Jesus and the bread. We're going to do that today. Are you okay? Now, the first time Jesus shed blood is very significant, right? My first child, Leah, said it last week. You know, your first child marks your other children. So sometimes you're more strict on that first child because you know they're gonna be there when you ain't around. <laughs> and if they're talk back or if they do wrong, then the other kids say, Well, it must not be bad to do that. Right? Generally speaking, the first marks everything else. That's why. It's important that we give our first and our best. That's why that principle became God gave his first and his best. So first becomes important. The first time Jesus shed blood was what? The first time Jesus shed blood was not at the hands of a Roman soldier, but the first time Jesus shed blood was in a garden by himself. The Bible said, let's just read it. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. Jesus said, Father... If it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, not what I will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. So that we see the first drops of the blood of Jesus were drops of blood that no one stole from him, but he did it making a decision now there is a medical term I won't even share it with you but there is a medical term for this when you get under such pressure that the blood vessels in your skin start bursting and that you it mixes with your sweat and coagulates and falls on the ground it wasn't like blood it was actual blood that came from how many believe that all the blood of Jesus means something and why was this the first blood? Well, let's look at it for a moment. It wasn't just on Passover, but it was in a garden on Passover. He was in the garden praying. Remember, his disciples stayed here. And he went there, and he kept praying. He was by himself. They, they fought, fell asleep. He said, can't you stay up? And he was by himself. He knew he was about to go do this thing. And he's under such pressure, he's trying to think it through, and he's trying to choose God's way, but he's dealing with something inside of him that wants it his way. And in that struggle, blood came down. So it was an agonizing decision made in a garden that the outcome would affect all human beings. It reminds you of Adam, doesn't it? That was in a garden, wasn't it? (laughs) And there was a decision when God said, don't eat from that tree. And Adam didn't even agonize about it. He said, I'm doing my way. And from then on, from Adam, men had a single problem in respect to their relationship with God. What was it? They knew the right thing. They just didn't want to do it. I mean, I have grandchildren and I've had children. I can tell you, once they learn to walk, you don't know that much anymore. And if you tell them, don't get the cookie, they want the cookie twice as bad now. If you say, don't get in the mud, come on, somebody, all the parents, just, how many of you have realized that? It's a powerful force, and you can't really beat it out of them. I've tried. You can't, because it's, it, in their nature, they have this, you ain't my boss. They got that nature from Adam. You ain't my boss. And they don't even know how to talk yet. When they learn that word, no. Oh, don't, don't even teach them no. No. They're like, I got one word, I'm going to use it. No. Going to bed, no. I'm going, time, to, time to go eat, no. Time to eat the carrots, no. You, once they feel the power of no, they realize the nature of Adam. That nobody is over you, nobody is your authority, you don't answer to anybody. It's in their nature. The Bible calls it the sin nature. And all of us in this room, can I get a witness, have experienced it. The fundamental thing in your relationship with God is that God you know what God wants you to do but you don't want to do it or you don't have the power to do it. The things you want to do you don't do. All that exercise and prayer you said you were going to do you hadn't done it yet. You did it one day then you quit. You bought the shoes and everything, joined the health club and everything. You you promised you would be at 5 o'clock prayer. you You did it three days, and you found that it's easier to make a promise. But when you face that nature of Adam, that's gravity pulling you down, you find that, man, this is real. And then you develop a couple of habits, and then you try to break those habits. And you're like, dude, this is harder than I thought. I mean, just coming to church is hard. Reading your Bible, oh, my gosh. If your flesh ever gets in control, like you ain't reading. I'm supposed to. You ain't reading. I'm supposed to. You ain't reading. Okay, let's go to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you yield to it because you're like, that dude is strong. And everybody, if you're beyond, everybody in this room, that old side of you that wants its way and opposes God's way, that's the strongest side of you until you get the nature of Jesus in you. Now there are people with strong wills. Come on, somebody! There are people like Raquel. Like this girl is in shape. That girl's in shape. She wrestles, fights people, does all kind of things. I mean, when she tells me about her regiment, I'm thinking I just had to receive that vicariously, you know, re- exercising, and eating, and everything. And uh, there are people with strong wills, but nobody has a strong enough will to stop the nature of Adam. That's why religion is never going to be enough to break the habit that you have to do it your way. So the fundamental primary issue that people have with God is they say, not your will, but mine be done. Is it true? Even though you say you want to do God's will, you don't do it. You say you want to do this, but you don't do it. And the things that you're good at are the things that you shouldn't be doing. Everybody here can relate when I say a bad habit is easy to start and hard to break. A good habit is hard to start and easy to break. Am I right? This is the nature of Adam. And so whatever is good for you is opposed and whatever is bad to you for you is encouraged. This is the nature of Adam. It was from Adam's decision at that moment in a garden he made a wrong decision and it created a DNA in your blood type. And the Bible says it dwells in the members of your flesh, this part of you that says, I don't want to do it. I'm going to do what I want. And you can contain it or control it, but the only way to change it is to have a blood transfusion. And you have to understand that there's nothing. Now, listen, what is stronger Then this that everybody in this room knows about, everyone, the nicest, good, most wonderful, sweetest person, you know what it is to be stubborn and want to do what you want, not what God wants. Matter of fact, you can trace all your problems to you doing what you wanted. And in a moment, it seems so good. But then it messes you up. Are you with me? Everybody here can relate to the strength of it because you tried to change you tried to do things different. You tried to quit gossiping. You tried to quit doing this. You tried to quit, but you find yourself right back in that mud puddle. Are you with me? So there had to be a remedy. Now, let me ask you a question Do you believe that Adam's disobedience that affected his bloodline, which is you, is stronger than Jesus' obedience to affect your bloodline? See, many Christians, they create doctrines around, they don't think you can ever change Adam's nature. They just say, well, God doesn't care anymore. You know, God, because of what Jesus did, it doesn't matter. That you can just live in failure and you can just yield to Adam's nature because of what Jesus did. Now, our righteousness is in Jesus, but there is a change that happens with the blood of Jesus, And it has to be stronger than, as strong as that gravity is to do wrong, that gravity is to keep drawing you back to those same old negative things. All of you know what it's like. As strong as that is, Jesus' blood is stronger. There's a power in the blood of Jesus that's even stronger than your old stubborn, I'm going to do what I want. Nobody's going to be my boss. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. There is a power stronger. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Look, that old part of you, that's the partner of the enemy that wants to ruin your life. Satan who wants to ruin your life, he has a partner, you. Some of you look in the mirror like we found the enemy. He's right there. Stop blaming white people. Stop blaming black people. Stop blaming Democrats and Republicans. I think we found the problem. He's right there. If you do make right decisions, you won't get blessing. If you keep doing the wrong thing, you're going to get problems. And so you, the good side of you has a friend as well. It's called the blood of Jesus that is stronger than the blood of Adam. And it can transform you into something you never thought you could be. Am I hollering too much? That's happy hollering. Don't worry about it. In that atmosphere of betrayal, Jesus was being betrayed by one of his best friends. And he was praying and he knew he was about to get turned over. And he said, not what I want, but what you want. Bam, blood came out. Fell on the ground. That blood has a voice. Why do you think we take communion? Because you need to get a different voice inside of you. You're not able to change that old voice of I'm doing what I want to do my way, the way I want to do it. You got to, come on somebody, you got to get another voice in you saying, look, you know what? I don't want the world anymore. I don't want to do what I used to do. I don't want to be what I used to You know what? I want to be in God's presence. I want to have God's purpose. I want to have God's plan. I'm going to have another voice living in me that's stronger than that voice. All right, you ought to give him Pray, go ahead. Let me read this scripture and we'll close. Are you okay? Don't ever take communion not understanding what you're doing because communion has the power to wreck your life. It has the power to flip your life. The communion itself, you say it's just a cracker, it's not just a cracker. You say, well, it's just juice, not just juice. It's not even symbolic, it's real. Jesus said, My flesh. And my blood is real food. Everybody say, it's real. Well, you know, it's symbolic. It's not not simply a symbol. It's power. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians when Paul said, some of you are sick and some of you are even dead because you didn't really understand the body of the Lord. Man, that'll scare you. You're like, I'm going to get cursed. Hold up. What is he really saying? This is what he's actually saying. He said, Some of you that are sick, you could have taken communion and got healed. Some of you that are bitter, you could have taken communion and got free from that bitterness. That's what's killing you. Some of you, you're allowing wrong thinking and wrong feelings to control your life. You know what? When you took communion, if you'd have rightly discerned it, you'd have been set free from that thing. But you just had a cracker and juice. You didn't understand the power to change the world is in the blood of Jesus. It's about to get inside of you. Come on, somebody. I said it's about to get inside of you. It's about to get inside of you. The pastor's not going to rub it on your head. We're not going to pour some over you. It's about to go in your mouth, and it's about to change your life. It's the best altar call you could ever have because you're actually saying, I'm receiving all that Jesus did and all that he is. I can't change myself, but I'm receiving change. I was a policeman. Don't get angry with me. It was a small town. I was the only policeman, Springfield. I don't know if you'd even call it a a, a policeman, really. (laughs) If you've been there, you know what I mean. I was the police force in Springfield. There was a $50 $50 a month chief, Rainy Piku, and then there was me. That was the whole force. But one thing I found out, that when you wanted to find out if somebody was driving drunk, you would do a blood test. They'd do a breath test, but they would do a if really good evidence, they'd give the a blood test, and they would find out whatever you drink got in your blood. They would find that whatever you drink touches your blood. You, you say, I hadn't been drinking. They'll say, oh, yes, you have. You .03. Whatever you drank, God touched your blood. It almost happens immediately. When you drink something, it almost gets in your bloodstream. Did you think Jesus knew that when he said, you got to drink my blood? He says, my blood's got to touch your blood. Your problem is in your blood. Your problem is in your nature. And when you drink my blood, it touches your blood. And when my blood touches your blood, it begins to change everything about your nature. What used to be the weakness in your life becomes the greatest strength in your life. I love this, Romans, we'll read this as we're getting ready to receive communion. Romans five seventeen, death once held us in its grip and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in one and only Jesus, the Messiah. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one Righteous act of sacrifice, one decision in a garden, I'm adding this, one decision in a garden, one moment of blood, one moment of shedding blood. One act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So, also, one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to Him. There is no way that Adam's unfaithfulness has a more powerful effect on you than Jesus' faithfulness. Why was it first? Because the first thing you need to change in your life is the ability to stop being you and start having Christ in you. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, I'm crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. And the life I'm now living, I'm living by faith in the Son of God. In other words, I received a different kind of life. When I took that communion, when I received that blood, when I received that word, when I re- something got inside of me, I couldn't be how I used to be. I couldn't talk like I used to talk. I couldn't act like, come on, somebody, help me a little bit. I couldn't act like I used to act because Jesus got inside of me. Man, we're going to receive communion today. This is the conclusion. The blood of Jesus that brings eternal life is also revealed as the power to protect our loved ones and ourselves from the negative after effects of Adam's fall. It must be revealed. Received by faith and applied by faith. Now listen to me because I'm closing. I want you to get this. How do you think, everybody say the blood of faithfulness. How do you think if you apply the blood of faithfulness over your children, how do you think it's going to affect their decisions? Now, you can't control them, but you can pray a protection over them. I don't know what decision they're going to make. Are they going to smoke dope or not? Are they going to do the wrong thing or not? Are they going to make the right? You know what? But I can't apply that over my house and say, you know what? Death is not touching my house. Come on, somebody. How much, how do you think it's going to affect your loved ones and your friends? You don't have control over their life, but you can get that that hyssop down in that blood, and you can say, you know what? At my job, I'm applying the blood of Jesus over all of my uh, all of my friends. I don't care what they're doing, how they're doing it. That right now they're under the protection of the blood of Jesus. Not just the blood of Jesus. I'm applying the blood of faithfulness over them. They're going to start wanting to do what God said. They're not gonna, They're going to stop doing what the enemy is telling them to do. They're going to think it was their idea. Because I'm just going to step back and just apply that blood. Because I'm going to say, you know what? Everybody I work with, everybody I go to school with, everybody I live with, they're all under the protection of the blood of Jesus. They're all under the protection of God's faithfulness. They're all listening to a voice that says, not what I want, but what He wants. I don't control people, but I can apply that blood and say, you know what? I'm applying this over my house, over the doorpost. I'm going to come into faith, and I'm going to declare this. I overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of my testimony, and that I don't love my life even unto death. I'm going to keep doing this to the day I die. I'm going to apply it over my children. I'm going to apply it over my finances. How many marriages are affected with unfaithfulness? I'm going to apply it over my spouse. I can't control my smile, but I can apply the blood of faithfulness over him. Come on, say we see we're learning something. Say I'm about to start applying. Say with me. Say I'm going to start applying the blood of faithfulness over my house, over my children. A voice is going to speak to them. I'm bringing them under that protection. Come on, say we say I'm bringing them under that protection of that voice and even if they want to do wrong they're going to hear a voice because we overcome with the blood come on if you believe it just wave at me a little bit like old school church just wave at me you believe that look I, I just read it to you you just got to come into faith and say you know what I ain't praying religious I'm praying a prayer of faith and I'm going to begin to release faithfulness but you know what is more important than applying the blood it has to do with receiving it Because that unfaithfulness in you, you know, come on, somebody. That unfaithfulness in you, write down these three words absorb. Say it with me. Absorb, cancel, replace. Say it again. Say, absorb, cancel, replace. The blood of Jesus absorbs the unfaithful nature of Adam. The blood of Jesus cancels all the arguments against my life that came because of my disobedience. And the blood of Jesus replaces the old rebellious nature of Adam with the new obedient nature of Christ. Not what I want, but what he wants. Today, we're going to receive that reality. That as we receive communion, you're going to say, this blood absorbs say it with me absorbs it cancels it replaces